right, good. Good morning, everybody. A couple announcements. Uh, not this Monday, but next Monday, the 31st, uh, David Spencer, our missions pastor, will be sharing a, a missions film at 7 p.m. That in, that's in lieu of our question and answer period. So that's Monday, the 31st at 7 p.m. You're welcome to join us for that. I don't know that we can broadcast it over Facebook or not. We'll have to figure that out. Probably not. Um, but if we can, we will. Otherwise, I try to be here in person for that. So it's, it's a good documentary on um, a missions field. I don't have all the details on it, but David does. And I'll get that to you next Sunday for sure. Uh, we'll have more details on that. He told me, I just didn't write it down. Uh, okay, so also we got another one coming up. Uh, Friday, the 11th of February. So February, next month. Okay, got some time. Um, we did a kid's version of how we got our Bible. We've been working on that with uh, um, John and Antonia here. Um, he's done the artwork for it, and we're trying to condense it into a kid's version of how we got our Bible. We think that's really important for the kids. And so there's flyers back there. All the drawings and all the cartoons are all done by John, and um, it's a work in progress. Um, we encourage the kids uh, ages 8 to 18 are welcome, and then parents to join them and all that and sit through it and watch it and uh, go through this little seminar on how we got our Bible. And uh, I think it'll be good. And we may tweak it a little bit after our first time doing it. I'm sure there's some some uh, some things that could improve. But as far as we can tell by looking at it from the outside before it's even happened, and you know how that goes, it looks pretty good. So um, anyway, how we got our Bible. And that's going to be February 11th uh, at 7 p.m. So join us for that if you can. And we have flyers out there you can grab. All right. Uh, this morning, we're going to be in Job, and we're going to get through 34, 35, 36. So you get to listen to me read a lot today. I know. You're welcome. I just... Because it's so easy to focus and stay awake and pay attention when someone's reading to you. But um, we, we want to do 37 and 38 next week. And we talked about that, how we finish up with Elihu's little uh, speech, I guess you could call it. And we conclude with the beginning of God's speech. And so uh, that's just a great way to pass into that. So we've got to endure a little bit here with Elihu as he begins to... Um, <laughs> Uh, try to get Job to admit it, you know, and that's all these guys have been doing the whole time, just trying to get Job to admit it. Um, so let's pray and we'll get started. Lord, we thank you for your word. Um, we thank you for documenting all of this. Uh, um, the Bible is full of uh, your truth. It's all truth. It's all, it's all there. And, uh, but Elihu, although he stumbles across your truth once in a while, for the most part, he doesn't apply it right. And uh, what a great lesson for us, Lord. Um, that we can do that, that we can learn from this, and uh, and then even and then even see it in this world, uh, and and recognize um, false arguments and things, and how important that is for our critical thinking and all. So, Lord, we thank you for this time we get to spend in your Word. Um, it's truth. Uh, it's going to be a light to our to our lives and to our path and to our feet, and um, you're going to lead and guide us. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, all I can think of is this reminds me of like a, you know how those poor guys that get called up to like uh, testify at Congress or Senate, some kind of thing. <laughs> and, and, and by the time they're done with it, and it's like a, it's sometimes it's two days for some of these guys. Can you imagine just sitting there for two days being grilled by people, you know? And I can't imagine what that would be like. And for the most part, um, at the end of it, the 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 special counsel or whatever it is that called them up says we found them guilty of, of what of what oh 
great. We finally come to a conclusion that never happens in these things. That's great. What do we find out? They're in contempt of court. And if you don't know what that means, most people just turn the TV set off and say, I knew they were contempt of court. I knew it. You know what that means? That means after 8 to 12 to 14 hours of intensive grilling, they might have gotten a question right here and wrong here. Ha ha! They contradicted themselves under oath, so we've got them. Not guilty of the crime they were looking for. Not guilty of anything that they started this whole investigation for, but we caught them messing up. It's like saying, did you meet Vladimir Putin at Starbucks and got a mocha frappe? And you said, no, I didn't, I didn't do that. Ha ha, we know. We saw the receipt from Starbucks with a mocha frappe. That was the important part? Because Vladimir Putin wasn't there, but you said you didn't, you know, and that's how it works. That's what these guys do with poor Job. Poor Job here, none of them have named a sin. They're trying to convict him of not naming a sin himself. But they don't know a sin. They can't name anything. They can't find anything wrong with him. But they're finding him guilty of being blasphemous by not admitting his sin. It's the same exact thing. What a ridiculous position to put somebody in. Job sits there and says, how can I prove a negative? I told you, if I knew what sin I did, I would admit it. But I don't know. Well, you have been found in contempt of court. Because certainly this wouldn't be happening to you is the assumption if you hadn't sinned. Verse 1 of chapter 34, Elihu further answered, and that's about it. He answers. He's, he's asking rhetorical questions. He's not waiting for answers, so he's just spewing. He further answered and said, Hear my words, you wise men. Give ear to me, you who have knowledge, for the ear tests words as the palate tastes food. Let us choose justice for ourselves. Let us know among ourselves what is good. For Job has said, I am righteous, but God has taken away my justice. Should I lie concerning my right? My wound is incurable, though I am without transgression. Um, he never said that. But that's what they hear. That's what he heard. What man is like Job, who drinks scorn like water? And he, they believe he's scorning the Lord. Who goes in company with the workers of iniquity and walks with wicked men. For he has said, it profits a man nothing that he should delight in the Lord. Never said that. I'm amazed, I think. Um, a lot of times when, when, and you have experienced it too. I, I know everybody does. People hear things that you didn't say. They just, you didn't say it. Sometimes that's a good thing. You know, um, uh, sometimes, most of the time, it's a bad thing. I, I heard you say that you don't believe me. No, I just said I didn't know. Yeah, but I know. Well, I'm glad you know, but I don't know. Uh, you called me a liar. No, I'm just saying I don't know. That's how they hear it. And so as these guys have been listening to Job, although they're not taking notes, and they're going off of um, what they remember he said, they're, they're quoting him wrong. And they're getting it wrong. You said that it's not worth it to, to follow God. You, you said it's not worth it. It's better to just be a sinner, basically. No, I, I said, what, what profit? Is, you know, and you can go back and look through the transcript. Thank goodness we have a transcript. You can go back and look through the transcript, but that's not what he says. Um, if he said these things, then Elihu would be correct. Um, it, it does profit a man to, to delight in the Lord. It is. It is profitable. God's word says so. To delight in the Lord is, is in, and, to, and to leave your path open to let him lead and guide you 
and the direction you should go is a good thing. I mean, um, it's what you want. It's what God wants. It's one of the few things we can give God is obedience and love and, and, uh, and, uh, trust, you know, uh, I can't give him money. I can't give him, uh, I can't give him anything. He's given me everything, but what I can do and what he desires of us, we can give him. And that's simple things. Um, and they seem to be the last things we, we, we tend to turn over to him. Um, so it does profit a man to delight in the Lord, but Job does. Job delights in the Lord. He, he, he never falls into the trap of, of cursing God. He's, he's got questions for God, which, you know, can sometimes come across that way maybe. Um, when you ask God why or whatever, um, God can handle those questions, but it does imply that you can't see with, with your righteousness, with your perspective, why you would do something like this, God. It doesn't make any sense to me, but it, it doesn't need to make sense to us. But when we ask the question, God says, um, it makes sense to me, and it's exactly what needs to happen. When we get to heaven, and we've been going through Revelation on Thursday nights, um, everybody says, true and righteous are your judgments. Um, when we get full knowledge, when we get perfect knowledge, when we stand with him uh, and look down at everything and see everything the way he sees, when we're known or when we know like we're known is, is um, another section of scripture that describes that in, in Corinthians. When we, when, we're, when we know just like God knows us, the hairs on our head, uh, all that, the days uh, fashioned for us, all those things. When we know him the way he knows us, oh my goodness. All we're going to say is true and righteous are your judgments. Everything you ever did was perfect and exactly the way it should have been. You couldn't have done it any other way. You shouldn't have done it any other way. That'll be our response. Very important. Um, And that's how I come to scripture. I come to scripture that way. Um, Everything he says, everything he does is perfect and right and and correct. Um, And so it does make sense to, it does profit a man to delight delight in God first. Um, It's so important Sometimes we forget just to do that, just to delight in him. I delight in God. I delight in him. Um, I, I, I use his word to change my life. I let him, you know, I, I come in, change me, do whatever you want to do. We prayed that. Um, I use his word to direct my life. I use his word to um, help other people, you know, uh, a lot. But sometimes it's just nice just to delight in him, in, in all those things, but just to, de- to delight in the Lord. That's one of the problems with the one of the churches in the book of Revelation, chapters two and three. It says you just forgot your first love, not your first duty, not your first truth, not your first um, you know moment with God, but just just loving Him, you know, for who He is and what He's done and how He thinks about you. You've never experienced anything like that. What salvation is this? What love is this? In verse ten. Therefore, listen to me, Elihu says. I'm always worried about people. It says, listen, 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 listen. If it's important, I'll listen to you. If it's not, no, I'm not going to. Therefore, listen to me, you men of understanding. Far be it from God to do wickedness and from the Almighty to commit iniquity. For he repays man according to his work and makes man to find a reward according to his way. It's true. I think God does, you know. Um, maybe not reward us the way we think he's supposed to reward us every time, but he does. it is rewarding to be obedient to God. It always has been. Um, that's true. God doesn't do wickedly. Surely God will never do wickedly, nor will the Almighty pervert justice. Who gave him charge, who, who gave him charge over the earth? Nobody. It's his. 
Or who appointed him over the whole world? Nobody. He did. You know, it's his. If he, if he should set his heart on it, if he should gather to himself his spirit and his breath, all flesh would perish together and man would return to dust. And that's true. I believe every part of our, every breath of life that we have is his. When he breathed into Adam and brought him to life, um, um, we have that. And um, he's the one that makes my heart pump. I don't. <laughs> it's involuntary. It just takes, I'm so glad that it does. Most, you know, for most of us, for most of the time. Uh, and when it stops, boy, you know it, you know, or when it's not working like it's supposed to, boy, you know it. And, uh, that's just parts breaking down. There's nothing, that's not like you're in sin or anything. It's just the thing he has going, the thing he created to just kind of go by itself sometimes doesn't work like it's supposed to. Um, but if God should decide to pull his life, basically his breath from this earth and we'd all stop. And, and I, and he, that's, that's noble to say that. I don't think that anybody he's talking to disagrees. And so what he's doing here, and it's hard to listen to this because what he's trying to do is mix with it. He's got certain ideas. And so he mixes with it things that everybody understands. And therefore, then he connects his thoughts to the things everybody understands. And oh, see, and it makes his idea become truth because he's attached it to a universal truth, you know? And, and that's, not, that's not how it works. Um, and that's not how arguments are supposed to go. Um, you can't just say, see, that's true, so therefore this is true. No, th- not necessarily. That's not necessarily how that works, you know. And so that's what he's trying to do here. You, you know that it's good to, to, to dwell in the Lord. You know it's good that God will never pervert justice. You know that God won't do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, therefore Job's guilty is what he's trying to get at. Dude, guilty of what? Name it. I mean, let's have a trial. How can you have a trial without charges? That's the whole point. They're having a trial against Job, and they don't know what to charge him with. They just know. And oh my goodness, how many times have we gone through that over the last few years? We don't know what happened. We don't know if anything happened, but we're pretty sure something happened. So we're going to hire an invest. Oh, every time I hear that come out of that East Coast over there, we're going we're gonna to get a special counsel. Oh, no. For what? For what? If you don't know yet, it's hopeless. And then it is, but I was hoping God. If he should set his heart on it and gather himself together, we'd all perish. We'd all turn back into dust. If you have understanding, hear this. Listen to the sound of my words. Should one who hates justice govern, will you condemn him who is uh, most just? Is it fitting to say to a king you are worthless and to nobles you are wicked? He never said that. Yet he is not partial to princes, nor does he regard the rich more than the poor. I'm pretty sure one of these three guys has already said that. You wouldn't be poor if you weren't walking with God or if you were walking with God, you know, the rich people get for so far, what I've heard from them is the healthy people or they're living right. And the sick people were They're not living right. The, the poor people. I mean, that is the whole point that they're sitting here with Job is now you're poor. See, God's mad at you because poor people means God's mad at you to their wisdom. You see, you're sick. 
Uh, that means God's mad at you. You know, you must have did something. And so they go through these charges with him, and then they go on and say stuff like this. God doesn't care about who's poor and rich. Then, then what has happened here, and why are we sitting here? What's the point of this? I'm amazed that they can't hear themselves. Nor does he regard the rich more than the poor, for they are all the work of his hands. That's true, including Job. In a moment they die, in the middle of the night. The people are shaken and pass away. Uh, the mighty are taken away without, hand, without a hand. That's true. The, the mighty die just like the, the weak people die. For his eyes are on the ways of man, and he sees all his steps. There is no darkness nor shadow of death where the workers of iniquity may hide themselves. All true. You can't hide yourself from God. God knows all, sees all. Um, there's no place that you can sin without him knowing about it. That's absolutely true. For he need not further consider a man that he should go before God in judgment. He breaks in pieces mighty men without inquiry and sets others in their place. Therefore, he knows their works. He overthrows them in the night and they are crushed. He strikes them as wicked men in the open sight of others because they turned back from, they turned back from him and would not consider any of his ways. And so now he's making the flat-out accusation, Job, you must have turned your back on God. This has all happened to you, and God is crushing you. He doesn't need to have an inquiry. He knows your thoughts. He knows your sins. He knows everything you've ever done, and that's why this is happening to you. Okay. I mean, how does Job argue against that? That's your opinion. But that's why he keeps saying over and over again, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. I've got lots of wisdom. I've got lots of wisdom. I've got lots of wisdom. In other words, believe me, believe me, believe me. It's like, I, I, you can say everything you want to say, but it doesn't make your, your point. He would not consider any of his ways so that uh, they cause the cry of the poor to come to him. For he hears the cry of the afflicted. When he gives quietness, who then can make trouble? And when he hides his face, who then can see him? Whether it is against a nation or a man alone, that the hypocrite should not reign, lest the people be ensnared. So he's called him a hypocrite, and it's okay to be poor, but it's not okay to become poor. Is basically what we got from that chapter. It's God loves poor people, um, but He doesn't love people who became poor. Is the idea? It's just illogical, but that's that's where he's at. Thirty-one. For has anyone said to God, "I have borne, uh, I've borne chastening." Uh, I will offend no more. Has anybody ever said that? Teach me what I do not see. If I've done iniquity, I will do no more. Should he repay it according to your terms just because you disavow it? You must choose and not I. Therefore, speak what you know. Confess. Men of understanding, say to me, wise men who listen, <laughs> wise men who listen to me. Job speaks without knowledge. His words are without wisdom. Oh, that Job were uh, tried to the utmost because his answers are like those of wicked men. <laughs> For he, <laughs> I don't mean to laugh. I, I know you guys are like, just get on with it. I get it too. I mean, I, I just have to stop though. In other words, everybody in prison's innocent, right? You just ask them, right? I didn't do it, right? But if I say, and it's true, I didn't do it, I'm answering like the wicked men. It's, it's what he just said. Well, you're just like the prisoners. They all say they didn't do it too. Well, then how do I win this? How do I win this if I'm innocent? You know, for he adds rebellion to his sin 
We don't know what sin that is, but this is that contempt of court statement. He's being rebellious. (laughs) And he's added that to his sin. He claps his hands among us and multiplies his words against God. So now it's just, you're in contempt of court. You should have just pled guilty, even though you weren't guilty. And because you were probably guilty. Verse chapter 35, moreover, Elihu, oh boy, moreover, Elihu answered and said, do you think this is right? Do you say my righteousness is more than God's? For you say, what advantage will it be to you? What profit shall I have more than if I had sinned? I will answer you and your companions with you. Look to the heavens and see and behold the clouds. They are higher than you. If you sin, what do you accomplish against him? Or if your transgressions are multiplied, what do you do to him? If you are righteous, what do you give him? Or what does he receive from your hand? Your wickedness affects a man such as you and your righteousness, a son of man. So I guess it's quite, I don't, I mean, I don't even understand this question, except that if you are so righteous, what do you offer God? What do you offer God? And you know, I hear that. I hear that shadow of an argument in some, in some ways when people talk about God's sovereignty and it bothers me a little bit. Uh, I love God's sovereignty. I absolutely believe God's sovereign. Don't get me wrong. But when you follow up with, you can't add anything to God. You can't, you can't do anything to God. You can't make, that's not what he says about himself. You're saying that because he's sovereign, none of us matter and nothing matters. And he's orchestrated it all. And you can do nothing and you can add nothing. His word says otherwise. His, His word says he longs for me. He, uh, Jesus coming into Jerusalem says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I, I, how I long to gather you like a hen gathers her chicks. I, I, well, those are emotions. That is heart. Um, for, God so, uh, for God so had a plan that he had to follow through and died for the sins of the world. That's not John 3.16. For God so loved the world. There's emotion attached to that. He has, he has a heart for us. He has a love for us. He wants us to come to him. He doesn't want to live without us. It's it's strange to us because we don't understand how he could have this love for us. Um, but I think any guy that's ever been married for any amount of time would look at their spouse, look at their wife and say, I don't know why you love me. We say that all the time. You know, what is it about me? You like, Oh, I did this is so special. You don't know me very well. 20 years later, you know, you just kind of understand that men just become self-aware later on in life. And we're like, gee whiz, man, I'm glad I snagged you early, you know, before you figured it out kind of thing. Well, we kind of take that attitude with God too. It's like, I, I'm so glad you chose me. And I'm so glad I responded to that, uh, that with my free will to love you and to receive that grace from you. And to, to say, I do, you know, when you propose to me, I'm so glad that I said, I do to you. And yet in the rest of the whole time, we're just like, Oh, I'm sorry. I wish I was better. You know, I wish I was better in this relationship. Um, what do we have to give him? Everything we desire to give him that we don't a lot of times, love, um, trust, obedience to his word. We desire that. Paul agonizes over that in in Romans 7. Why do I do the things I don't want to do? But the things I want to do, that I don't do. But the things I don't want to do, that I do. You know, I mean, he goes on and on. He says, I wish I was better in this relationship with you. That's just a beautiful, wonderful love. And God loves that heart. And God recognizes that heart in Paul and says, how about I give you the Holy Spirit who can do those things through, through you? You know, and he gives us that. He, 
He gives us the desire to give him everything, and then he gives us the capability and ability to give him everything, you know? He meets everything. He meets all of our needs. Oh, I just so want to love you. You, Are you sure? I really, really do. Well, let me give you the Holy Spirit because he can intercede on your behalf and he can love me the way you want to love me. You know, it's like, oh my goodness. Uh, Thank you. You know, Um, it's like asking your wife to write the love letter to herself. You know, (laughs) I really have these great thoughts. I just can't get them on paper. Would you write it? Sure. (laughs) You love me, you know, and he does. And he does that for us. It's sweet. We can give him these things. So when Elihu asks, what can a righteous man give him? We can give him a lot, buddy. We can give him everything he desires from us. Our love. Verse 9. Because of the multitude of oppressions, they cry out. They cry out for help because of the arm of the mighty. That's a straw man argument. Have you heard that? That's a straw man. They. Who's they? Who are they? Why are they not sitting here saying, yeah, I'm glad this happened to Joel because the other day I was in his field and I was trying to glean and he just kicked me right in the rear end and kicked me out of his field. And that's by law. The So I cried out to God and this is why it happened. Where are these? Where's they? There's no they. It's a straw man argument, which means they set these, these phonies up and say, well, there's probably a bunch of people out there that are crying out for help. And that's why this happened to you. Well, where are they? But no one says, where is God, my maker, who gives songs in the night, who teaches us more than the beasts of the earth and makes us wiser than the birds of heaven. Uh, There they cry out, but he does not answer because of the pride of evil men. Surely God will not listen to empty talk, nor will the almighty regard it. Although you say you do not see him, yet justice is before him and you must wait for him. And now because he is not punished in his anger, nor taken much notice of folly. Therefore, Job opens his mouth in vain. He multiplies words without knowledge. It is a threat. It is a danger when we, um, with many words, transgression is unavoidable. That's true. I think that's true. The more we talk, I think that's why people that teach the Bible are held to a stricter judgment. Um, There's been many times that, you know, you go home on a Sunday morning as a teacher and you're like, "Mm, I'm so sorry I said that. I didn't mean it to come out like that or whatever. And you spend the end of the afternoon in bed saying, I'm sorry, God, you know, because you feel that conviction. It's very important, you know, um, to try to do it right, Um, to try to be bold, but not offensive on purpose. It's, It's important to stand up for righteousness, but not kill sinners in the process because you want them to know Jesus. You know, there's a balance there. And if you're filled with the Holy Spirit and full of love and the gift of teaching is an operation, usually goes pretty well. It's only when the flesh rises up in the teacher that it really gets kind of sketchy, you know, kind of thing. Um, and that happens. And you, and you, you got you to give yourself grace and move on and keep going. Um, or else you'd all be paralyzed. We'd all be paralyzed. Well, that's the idea here. Um, God gives us wisdom, and it's a beautiful thing, more than, the, more than the birds and the beasts of the air. I mean, you can study, you know, like, like it says in Romans, you can see the natural attributes of God and, and everything out there in all creation. That's wonderful. But there is a person. There's a person who meets us. There's a person who gives us wisdom. And many of you have experienced this. Hopefully all of you have at one point or another. And, and it doesn't have to be some grand revelation, you know, like, oh, my goodness, I can see the end of the universe or something like that. You know, it doesn't have to be that big. It can be as simple as, I don't know how to do this task. Um, 
Um, you can look at your house and say, I have no idea how to organize this place. I don't even know where to start. I'm going to pray about it, you know, and God can give you a vision for it or wisdom for something like that. Or I don't know how to take a carburetor apart, you know, or I don't know how to put a carburetor back together is usually my prayer. You know, I got it apart. That was easy. Uh, I think I'm missing some, or I got extra pieces or whatever. Um, God can come in and do that. He can give us wisdom um, he can give us songs in the night, something that you didn't come up with, something that you didn't hear from somebody else, but it comes directly from God to you. It's a wonderful thing. Now, I say that out loud, not because I want everybody to, I do want you to remember those things, but if nobody's ever experienced that before, I want you to. I want you to know that's available, that that's there, that that's possible, that this is the kind of God we serve, that he does step into your life and give you information that you didn't get anywhere but from him. Um, and it's amazing. Those moments are amazing. Um, they're not all the time, but there are times when he gives you a song, so to speak. It can be just a time of refreshing with him, um, you know, just kind of feeling uh, peace and contentment uh, when you've been anxious and worried about certain things. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, I just feel like I'm just relaxed today. You know, that's the Lord. It's kind of a wonderful moment with him. But he can also give you those answers that you desire too. Um, do you have burning questions? I think we forget sometimes that we can bring those to God. You know, just simple burning questions. God, I don't understand this. Teach me. Simple prayers like that. And God will step in and say, absolutely. Anybody that lacks wisdom, you ask, I'm going to give it to you. And I'm going to blow you. I'm overflowing with wisdom. God's got, so, he knows everything. And if you just ask him about these things, anything. He loves those conversations. As a dad, you love it when your kids say, finally, you've been waiting for this. I don't know what I'm doing. Can you help me? Yes, I know you don't know what you're doing. I'd be glad to help you, you know, kind of thing. And when you come to God and say, I don't know what I'm doing. Can you help me? He's like, more gracious than I am with my kids, but I would love to help you. I desire to help you. I want to give you information and wisdom. I'm glad you're using me as a resource. This is great. Now, listen, here we go. Um, now, he multiplies words without knowledge. <laughs> Ironic, Elihu says that as he gives us five chapters of drivel. Um, chapter 36, Elihu also proceeded. <laughs> it's funny how every chapter, they're just trying to make it sound better. Eli, verse 34, or chapter 34, Elihu further. Chapter 35, moreover, Elihu. And then finally, 36, Elihu also proceeded. <laughs> they're finding nice ways of saying, and he never stopped talking. Bear with me a little. And I will show you that there are yet words to speak on God's behalf. Ho, 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 ho. Got to be careful when you step into that position. There, let me talk to you on God's behalf. I got that's like, I got this, God. I'm going to speak on God's behalf. Oh, that's a sure way to stick your foot in your mouth. I will fetch my knowledge from afar. I will ascribe righteousness to my maker, for truly my words are not false. One who is perfect in knowledge is with you. I hope he's talking about God when he says that. He does capitalize the word one, so I'm hoping he's talking about the Lord. But he is saying what I've heard so many times Christians say. I mean, not all the time, but I've heard it a lot, probably 10 times in my walk with the Lord. Um, Thus saith the Lord. As if I'm supposed to just perk up and do whatever the next things that come out of their mouth is. You know, Thus saith the Lord. So set aside critical thinking, set aside my own prayer life, what God has shown me already. You're saying, thus saith the Lord, therefore I don't judge it. I just accept whatever you have to say, you know? 
Come on. And that's what he's saying. I'm going to ascribe righteousness to my maker. Truly, my words are not false. One who is perfect in knowledge is with you. I'm going to speak on behalf of God. Behold, God is mighty. So far, so good. But despises no one. Well, he loves people, but he despises sin. And actually, in one part of Scripture, it says he despises the sinner. You know, we say that a lot, and I do too. I think I've been guilty of this, is God loves the sinner but hates the sin. And yet a couple times in Scripture, he says, I don't like the sinner either. They bother me, you know. And what he means by that, if you read it in context, is this is a person who's going to perpetually sin. They have no repentance in their future. They're just going to, I don't like that because they do nothing but harm everybody else around them. So you can see why he says it. He's not saying that he doesn't want them saved. He doesn't desire the death of the wicked, and yet he's willing to call them wicked, you know. Um, And so, yes, I I mean, I'm sure he loved Hitler, but I think he despised him too at the same time for murdering so many people, you know, Um, and Mao and, 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 and Stalin and Lenin and, 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 and on and on and on. Um, These are people that weren't great. Um, We wanted them to repent, but they never did. And, and so there is that. So behold, God is mighty, but despises no one. I don't know that it's true. He is mighty in strength of understanding. He does not preserve the life of the wicked, um, but gives justice to the oppressed. That's not a true statement. I've seen the life of the wicked preserved. I mean, not everlasting life. I understand that part, but I've seen, we've all seen, we've all read stories of drunk drivers that walk away. It's like, that's a wicked thing to do, to be so selfish that you're going to just drive yourself home when you know you shouldn't. And then you go ahead and smash in and kill a bunch of people, innocent people, just trying to come home from wherever. That's not right, you know. But somehow they were so inebriated that they were so relaxed in the car accident, they just kind of flopped around, and they didn't get hurt while everybody else stiffened up, you know. He does preserve the life of the wicked. I don't know why, except perhaps there's more time for that person to repent and come to know the Lord. So that's not a true statement. But gives justice to the oppressed. Well, eventually... Eventually, there's true justice. But that's not what Elihu's saying, and that's what I'm having a problem with. Elihu says, we see this on earth all the time. No, you know, you don't. Um, I don't even like to read the stories about what happened in Africa in the 90s and and all, and the the slaughter of the people, um, the macheteing, and and all these things, these horrible, horrible things that took place. I, I don't know that Elihu's statement is true on earth anyway, Eventually, there's justice for sure. Um, um, But he doesn't necessarily give justice to the oppressed while they're alive because that's where martyrs come from. Um, He does not withdraw his eyes from the righteous, but they are on the throne with kings, for he has seated them forever and they are exalted. And if they are bound in fetters, held in the cords of affliction, then he tells them their work and their transgressions. There it is again. If you were a guiltless, righteous king, you'd still be on the throne, Job. But because you're bound in fetters and the cords of affliction, he's going to let you know what your sins are. That's why you are. Well, that doesn't match up with my king and our king, right? doesn't line up with Jesus. Um, Of course, he should still be on the throne, but he was volunteered. He was a volunteer also to come down and die on the cross for our sins. 
Um, and he set that stuff down so that, he, you know, his authority, his power, and his, his throne so that he could come as a boy, as a child, as a baby, and die. And so it's not necessarily true all the time. Then he tells them their work and their transgressions, and they have acted uh, defiantly. He also opens their ear to instruction and commands that they turn from iniquity. If they obey and serve him, they shall spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. And that teaching is still in the church today, that if you obeyed and served him, you would spend your day in prosperity. But if they do not obey, they shall perish by the sword and they shall die without knowledge. Not true. Um, lots of people die who love Jesus. Um, and, and lots of people die in this, in, even in his time. So it's not a true statement. Um, but the hypocrites in heart store up wrath. Uh, they do not cry for help when he binds them. They die in youth and their life ends among the perverted persons. He delivers the poor in their affliction and opens their ears, uh, opens their ears in oppression. Indeed, he would have brought you out of dire distress into a broad place where there is no restraint and what is set on your table would be full of rich, richness. But you are filled with judgment due to the wicked judgment and the justice take hold of you. Because there is wrath, beware, lest he take you away with one blow, for a large ransom would not help you, to help you avoid it. Will your riches or all the mighty forces keep you from distress? Do not desire the night when people are cut off in their place. Take heed, do, do not turn to iniquity, for you have chosen this rather than affliction. Behold, God is exalted by his power. Who teaches like him? Who has assigned him his way? Nobody tells God what to do or who has said you have done wrong. So he says all that and he finishes with some true statements in 22 and 23, you know, and you're supposed to then assume that 18, 19 and 20 were okay. And they're not, they're just flat out wrong. Um, that's not true. Sometimes in our desire for people to repent and there, there are, there are people we minister to that are in different places um, some are on the edge and they're close to repentance. They kind of feel the, the weight of their sin and the consequences associated with that. And you, you're there, you're ready. You know, you're like, this is it. You know, I'm ready to, I'm ready to give them the gospel. Um, some people are just absolutely clueless to the destruction they're bringing in their life. They have no idea what they're doing. Um, they don't see it. And, and that's sometimes when this can come out of our mouths. We have to be careful about that because in our desire to force them to feel that guilt and shame. Um, we can say things because of the momentum of the moment that go beyond what God has said, is what I'm saying. Uh, he, his heart here is he's going to, re- this is it. I mean, he is, he is on top of Job, basically, and punching him with righteousness. You know, admit it, admit it, admit it. And he's, he's lost the focus. He's lost the whole point. You guys came to be comforters of Job. And what you're irritated with is that you can't comfort him because he doesn't think he did anything wrong. So before we can comfort him for all the horrible things that have happened to him, we've got to beat you senseless, Job. We've got to make you feel worse than you already do so that we can come along and do what we came to do, which is to make you feel better. They missed the point. And we can do that too in our ministries. Uh, We have to be very careful about that. Um, if it's not time, it's not time. Sometimes it is pearl before, pearls before swine. Sometimes you do kick the dust off your feet because they're not ready. It may be frustrating for us, and it may be our heart broken because we want them to so desperately to know Jesus 
um, when we know there's not much time left, but you can't make it happen. I know that. I've had that happen in my, it wasn't until I was at that moment, at that time, at the age of 19, that I got saved. But there were countless people trying to. But no matter what they said or did, and for the most part, when they start getting angry with me, I just flip the switch off. Never want to talk to them again. I never heard from them again. Now, I understand where they were coming from. They were young in the faith, brand new believers. All they knew was wrath and salvation. And they just came in and they just tried to beat me. And it's like, oh, and I just absolutely cut them out of my life. The Holy Spirit knows what he's doing. And we have to let him do that when we're ministering to people. There are ways and timings and some things you say, some things you don't. And we have to be led of the Spirit when we're ministering to people. It's very important um, to do it his way. And it's very effective. And that's the point, right? Is to be effective. And his ways are always effective, always. All right, let's wrap this up. Chapter 36, verse 24. Remember to magnify his work of which men have sung. Everyone has seen it. Men looks on it from afar. Behold, God is great, and we do not know him, nor can the number of his years be discovered. Well, that's true. I mean, I think we can know him, but no, we don't understand his beginning. That's why he's called the Ancient of Days. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's always been. He is, his name is I Am. No, we don't know your days. For he draws up drops of water, which distill as rain from, from the mist, which the clouds drop down and pour abundantly on man. Indeed, can anyone understand the spreading of clouds? The thunder from his canopy? Look, he scatters his light upon it and covers the depths of the sea. For by these he judges the peoples. He gives food in abundance. He covers his hand with uh, uh, with lightning and commands it to strike. Um, His thunder declares it. The cattle also uh, concerning the rising storm. I don't know why he said that. You know, I've been studying this and I've been looking it over and I don't know why he concludes with that in this section anyway. Uh, his thunder declares it, the cattle also concerning the, the rising storm. I guess the cattle recognize it when they lay down or something. You know, when a storm's coming, they can see it. And, and this is where we're going to close today. You did it. Three chapters of me reading to you. Most of you aren't asleep. And uh, I hope you got it. I mean, I hope you understand it. Um, I hope we get everything we have because I honestly, I'm not looking forward to getting back to Job in five or six years, to be honest with you. It's not an easy book to teach. And yet it's so necessary for us to go through these long, long moments with this. It is, it is. Um, but patience have its perfect work. There's a, there's a purpose for going through Elihu's entire speech and not just hitting the high points to listen to it because you had to listen to it like Job had to listen to it. It's very important um, that we do these things so that we can get that sense. Because when God begins to speak next week, we're all just going to be, and you can tell I'm looking forward to this. I think we all are. It, it begins to make sense, and he begins to give us answers. And it's so, it's so simple. I mean, the God who knows all things takes about three or four chapters is all to speak, right? When these guys have been going on for 37, 38 chapters now, you know, And uh, when God enters the conversation, um, it's a beautiful thing. All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for, uh, thank you for Job's patience. I can't believe he's been sitting there this whole time listening to the, I would have walked away, but um, he didn't. He sat and listened and, and uh, 
We're so excited for you to step in next week, to begin to speak, uh, to begin to share. And it is convicting when you begin to talk. It is, it is uh, a strong cup of coffee, but it's so welcomed because it's from you. We love you. We trust you. We know that everything you do is true and righteous, and it's for a purpose, even when we don't understand it. Um, and forgive us when we question. Um, but we thank you for when you do step in and, and decide to reveal certain things to us. Um, it's not necessary. Our faith is uh, faith, Lord. Um, we want to walk by faith. I don't want to walk by the last four chapters. I don't want to walk by, oh, now I've got an answer, so now I can believe. I, I want to believe before, knowing, because I know who said it, because I know who's doing it, because I know you, that no matter what it is, whether I understand it or not, is, is perfect because it comes from you. And uh, what a peaceful way to live and to walk. And uh, that's what you want for us. You desire for our joy to be full. You desire for us, us to have peace that surpasses understanding. And um, we thank you for that. Bless these folks as they go this morning. Keep them safe as they're traveling. Some of the roads are kind of slick and glazed over. And I just pray that they have a wonderful Sunday with you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer, please come up. Be glad to pray with you.